you're listening to the Audacious As Fuck podcast. I'm your host, Martha Ramos, Dominican-born, New York City-raised, a former advertising executive turned coach, speaker, and personal empowerment expert. And I'm on a mission to encourage more women to be the chief empowered officer, aka the CEO, of her life. So if you have the audacity to play by your own rules and are ready to cultivate, elevate, and own a thriving life and business, then you're in the right place. Let's get started. Oh, and P.S. as a Latina, get ready to listen to some bilingualism or Spanglish thrown into the mix. So cheers to you, my friend, and I can't wait to get to know you and connect with you. And I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome, guys, to another episode of the Audacious As Fuck podcast. I am your host, Marta Ramos, and today I have a special guest. Her name is Diana Hernandez-Wayne, and she's Salvadoreña, so shout out to my Salvadorians. Did I say that right? Yes. Um, (laughs) She is a life empowerment coach, a sister, wife, survivor, and in my book, Resilient as Fuck, and you'll understand why in a minute. And her mission is to help women heal their life challenges so they can really live their most authentic, soulfully aligned life. And after 15 years working in her corporate career in sales and marketing, she became the CEO of her own business. And Diana, thank you so much for joining us. And I want you to share a little bit about your story and how you got to this chapter of your life or in your life. Well, first of all, Marta, thank you for having me. I am so excited to be here. I love talking to my fellow Latinas and just sharing my story. And um, it's important because there's for me, I was born and raised in Houston. My family came and immigrated from El Salvador. I was the youngest of four girls. And I grew up, you know, with the grind, with the scarcity mindset of hustling and seeing my parents work really hard. And I um, I did the best that I could, which was when it came to going to college, I went to college and got a degree. And I majored in accounting, which <laughs> you said I'm a sales and marketing. So that's a whole other story. But I, um, I share all that because I was doing the grind. I was working hard. I was doing the things that I was supposed to be doing. And I'm air quoting. And I didn't feel fulfilled. And what I've learned and what I've come to understand is that sometimes the universe will give us some life challenges to wake up. And that life challenge happened for me 10 years ago when one of my sisters was diagnosed with cancer. And that was really tough for us because w- my great grandmother was the last person that had died and she was not 105, you know? So it just, wow. it wasn't, cancer wasn't a word in our family. So she lost her battle 11 months later. And then 15 months after that, my other sister took her life. And losing a sister by taking their life, one, Latino culture, we don't talk about emotions. We don't talk about mental health. We don't talk about what it feels to be depressed, right? It's like, que depresión, estas loca, you know? So there's all this taboo. And I say that my sister gave me the wake-up call to 
one, look deep inside and say, Diana, you know, up until that point, what I didn't share is that I was working hard. I was also a raging alcoholic, meaning on the weekends, it was work hard, play hard. I was just running at the edge of my seat and trying to keep it together. And I was so unfulfilled. I was so unhappy. And so when my sister took her life, it was, okay, this can't keep going. This cannot keep going. What is your life about? What's important to you? And that's what started the journey of becoming, unpacking my stuff, healing the shit, <laughs> realizing how much was there was trauma, realizing the generational traumas that exist um, in Latino culture, and realizing that I have the power, I could be empowered to heal and also create my own thriving life. And that's where I am today. So it's been a long journey. And also that was really condensed, but that is how I got here. And um, would I want it any other way? Would I have wanted it this way? I don't know I would want it this way, but I also know that I'm grateful for the wake up call, if you will, and where my life is today. So, Wow. So I don't know if you can see this, but like I shed a few tears. Mm -hmm. Um, so thank you for sharing that part of you, that part of your story. I can't even begin to imagine what you went through losing a sister to cancer. And then a few months later, someone, you know, your other sister taking her life and you're right in our Latino culture, it is considered taboo. Like we're often taught not to talk about our problems. Like Mm -hmm. we're taught to keep this front of, we have it together and it's a, a matter of just pushing through. Um, I remember being young and I, I can't remember if it was my mom or an aunt of mine who has said, no, porque esta gente di que con depresión en mi país eso le llaman loco. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's okay for us to be in a state of depression. Um, it happens. I yeah. mean, there's a lot of things that happens in life. And especially as a Latina, as a woman of color, yeah. there's a lot of generational trauma that we go through. But also once we stepped into this new world of corporate America, yes. there's trauma there that we have to experience. Yes. And oftentimes, because we're taught to just Work, 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 and yeah. calladita te ves más bonita, which yeah. is another thing that I hate. Um, and I wish we can go away with that when they tell us not to use our voice. Yes. Yeah. Right? Like calladita te ves más bonita. It doesn't translate the same in English, but it's yeah. basically saying, you know, you're prettier if you stay, stay silent. Yes. Yes. And I know, like, anyway, we can, that's like, <laughs> Another story, but um, like another episode that we can totally get into it. But talk to me a little bit about your healing journey. Yes. Well, you mentioned something around work, work, work. And that was when my sister passed of cancer. That was something that I didn't know that. Well, it's silly. And yet, you know, I did not know that grief was normal. I didn't realize that it's okay to feel sad. I didn't know that it was okay to be angry. I didn't understand why did my sister have cancer. I didn't know all those things. And of course, I didn't know because that's not something we talk about, right? As we're mentioning in our Latino culture. And what I defaulted was work, work, work. Dale gracias que tienes un trabajo. 
be grateful que por lo menos estás bien, que tienes una casa. And I understand why I grew up with that mindset, why my parents had that mindset, because in El Salvador in the 80s, there was a civil war, nothing was safe. That's why they came to the U.S. So I can understand that, but I didn't understand that back then. And mm -hmm. I had a ton of pressure on myself that I had to be grateful for where I was and just continue working. And I didn't allow myself to feel my emotions. And what happened is I ended up starting to get anxiety. And I couldn't explain why I truly was having these anxiety attacks in those moments where I would get up and then I couldn't breathe. And I was like, in my brain, I was thinking, oh my gosh, I'm really having an anxiety attack. So that's what I was feeling when my sister took her life. And there was a piece of me that understood that she was depressed because I had had that level of depression. There was a piece of me that understood why she took her life in the sense of maybe she didn't see another way out because I didn't feel another way out. And I was also equally angry at, well, why didn't she see another way out or why didn't she talk to us? And so that experience of losing her by her taking her life is what started the healing journey of, you know, there's a saying that Einstein says, the definition of insanity is repeating the same pat pattern over and over and expecting different results. And that's that second time I was like, okay, I can't do what I did the first time, which was work, work, work. We need to heal. So the first, one of the biggest thing I gave myself permission, and this is for the audience, really give yourself permission to be honest with yourself about what you're feeling, not the judgment, not the narrative, not how you should feel, but what are you feeling? What are yeah. you really feeling? It's okay to feel the mixed emotions between the anger and the sadness and the, all those feelings and the why and the questions. And I, I do feel at least when my client and all this work, we just don't give ourselves as much permission to really feel what we need to feel. So that is a big start. If you can just start with giving yourself permission to what you're feeling, that's where you got to go. Step one. I love that. And being honest with yourself, because yeah. a lot of times we tend to, you know, put this mask on. Yes. Um, and again, it, 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 it does stem from generational, um, trauma mm -hmm. for us to just keep it moving, put your head down. But I think it's important that we journal around our feelings. Yes. I feel like that is one powerful tool totally. for us to get everything out in, in order to begin our healing process. Yes. Yes. Right. And to also understand that grief touches everyone differently. Absolutely. And we shouldn't set expectations or tell people how they should grieve. Yes. A thousand percent. A thousand percent. Um, how we grieve is going to be a byproduct of what we learned about how to grieve. And I'll share a quick story where when I was five, one of my tios died unexpectedly in an accident. It wasn't he didn't have an illness. He was 26 years old. And my mom, I remember, was crying. And I remember my dad told my mom, this is my dad's brother, by the way. So my mom was crying, but it was actually my dad's brother. He told her, para que lloras si no va a regresar? And my mom stopped crying. And mm -hmm. so as a young child, what I took that to mean is you don't cry. 
And so when my sister died, I didn't really cry. And I didn't realize that something was inherently in me that said, it's not okay to cry. So we grieve based on what we learn. We don't realize how much that impacts us. And absolutely, we're all going to grieve differently because of what we learned and also our own personal experience and journey too. Love that. And how, how interestingly that you made that connection between your sister's passing and how you didn't really cry because you tied it back to listening to your dad tell your mom. Yes, yes. And then all that connection truthfully came through the inner work and healing and coaching and realizing that pattern that like, oh, wow, this is what impacts us. No wonder grieving can feel so hard because there's so many external messages between family and environment. I mean, like, let's talk about corporations. Most companies give five days of bereavement. Like, what is that? You know, so. Bullshit. Yeah, exactly. So we're supposed to come back to work and be like, here we are. (laughs) X person passed away. And that's I separate. That's why I think the pandemic has been really tough because people are really losing family members and they have to pick back up and go back to work as if whatever, nada, you know, and it's unfortunate. I know that part of your mission and, and your journey of doing your own healing was that whole question of, what is the purpose of life? Yes. Yeah. And I know that after you went through your own inner healing and manifesting the man of your dreams and becoming the CEO of your life, that's why that's what prompted you to leave your 15 year career in corporate to start your own business. So I want you to share a little bit about how you leverage the power of your story. Yes. Your voice to evolve and create your own business. Yes. So it it was a little bit of um, an unexpected oops, right? In the sense of, I, oh, first of all, backstory, I majored in accounting. I did that for a bit. I hated it. I joined a company that gave me an opportunity in sales. And then I was like, I, I, re- I did well. And then I said, I want to do marketing because at the end of the day, I, what I love about marketing is the connection with people, you're understanding their mindset, and then you're connecting and building this energy. And, and I just, if I believe in a product, I love that. So I just love that experience. And as I was doing my healing in my journey, I was going to everything, therapy, <laughs> all these different events, but I found a coach, a life coach that, you know how they say, uh, nothing happens by accident. It was, Mm -hmm. this is the most random oops, if you will. I was given feedback in my corporate career that I need to expand my executive presence. And my Latina fire got mad. And I said, well, fine, you need to pay for my coaching and my speaking. (laughs) So, So lo and behold, I go and enroll in improv and I have my company pay for it. And at that place is where I met my coach. And she was a five-time cancer survivor. Wow. And I said, what do you mean you're five-time? And she had had cancer five times. She 
She had gone on to receive coaching, became a life coach, was teaching others how to become a coach. And I just knew, you know, it's just like, you know, there's no accidents. That moment was there's no accidents. She is such a powerful and she was what I loved is her energy, her presence, and she wasn't aggressive, but she held the space, you know, just like this fairy godmother of who is this person that managed five times? I thought like, wow, my two losses, but she had lost her mom to cancer and she had gone through cancer five times. And the fact that she had created a business out of it and by teaching others how to become a coach, I just was so drawn. And I was like, there's no accidents. There's something here. So she became my life coach. She held me. I truly feel that I became empowered through that coaching experience and knowing that she was also teaching others how to become a life coach because she has a mission of how do we leverage our stories. I, I knew I wanted to be a coach because my transformation happened in a window of six months. And I had been going to therapy up until that point, about three years. So I was like, how do I, how did I do this so quick? How do I feel so I mean, when I say I felt good is I could share the story. I can show up today and talk about my losses because of a coaching, which is what tells me I've healed it because there's so much power in our stories, Mm -hmm. even the ones we're not always happy about, or sometimes we have shame towards there's power in there and there's wisdom and there's connection that allows us to connect with others. So I just was so gravitated by how she had been able to do that, that I knew for me, knowing my own transformation, that if coaching was available to others, imagine what it could do for anybody who can have loss or traumas and transform that and create their own journey. So I started coaching as a result of all that. It's been, a. It, I started about four years ago and then pandemic happened. And then I was like, you know what? I really got to do my thing full time. It's time. It is so, it's so time. <laughs> and that's what encouraged me to, to leave that corporate career. And I just, I feel so great. I am so grateful for this whole journey. It's a wild ride for sure. But when we own our stories, when we own everything in a good way and an empowering way, it's life transforming for yourself. And it has a ripple effect for all the people in your community too. Amen. And thank you for sharing that because part of my mission and my brand is really to encourage, educate, and empower more women to be the CEO of their life. Yes. And that for me is twofold because one, I want you to be the chief empowered officer of your life because I do want you to come from a place of knowing who you are at the core. Yeah. Um, elevating your mindset and making sure that you're shifting from those negative self-talks that were often, you know, holding us back from like really showing up as our full self, but also that part of owning your story, yes, owning who you are, owning your, what I like to say, the good, the bad, and the ugly, mm-hmm. there is power in that. Yes. Which is why as part of my CEO method and teaching women how to, you know, cultivate a strong sense of self, elevate their mindset and then owning it, all of that packaged into for me is power in itself, because as a Latina, as a woman of color, often being the only woman of color Mm -hmm. in a predominantly white environment. And I am talking about corporate America. Mm -hmm. 
I often felt like my story didn't have meaning mm-hmm. and I didn't belong there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my voice, again, not being able to use my voice. So when I came out of that and I was let go and I share this with full transparency more than once, um, it wasn't until I decided to own who I am, mm-hmm. own what I bring to the table, shift out of that shitty mindset of, you know, you're not good enough, you're not pretty enough, you're not skinny enough, mm-hmm. all of this enoughness, and then owning everything, the good, the bad, and the ugly, is that I feel that I didn't really come into my own. Like mm-hmm. right now, I am tapping into my full potential. Yes. I am tapping into my full authentic self. Um and I really feel that that there's power in that, right? And and doing the podcast, being able to share this space with other women of color is important to me because it is all about sharing our stories and elevating our voices yes. at the same time. Because guess what? We are enough. Mm-hmm. As Latinas, as women of color, we are enough. And If people can take away anything from our stories is that I want them to know that you're worthy because you exist. Yes. And that to me is very personal because I know what it feels like to feel unworthy. Mm -hmm. And so I was just going to say you're worthy because you were born. Done. Yeah. No, no justification, no need to justify, give excuses or prove to yourself, to anybody else like, oh, I am here to do all these X, Y, Z. It's you were already born and you're worthy just because of that. And that's enough. Amen. And that's what prompted me to like forego my corporate career and really start this business because I was like, there's power in my story, but I know that there's power in other women's stories, Mm -hmm. especially women of color. So, you know, similar to you, I went to school and I studied advertising and marketing. And for 12 plus years, that was my career was PR, marketing, media, all of that. And I remember having one of my closest friends question, why did I decide to go into coaching? And similar to you, it was because of all the bullshit I have gone through and somehow managed to still come out on top and keep it moving. I know that I can help other women because of my life experiences. Mm -hmm. And we all can help people because of our life experiences. We don't talk enough about our life experiences, the yucky stuff. We judge ourselves or society says things, family say things, and it, it's such a disservice. And there's another thing you mentioned, somebody that you said, somebody questioned why you were going into coaching. That's one thing I've learned about going into my business is that some people will project their fears onto you. And it's our personal responsibility to block it and say, thank you. Love you. I know it's your fear, not my fear. And I, 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 you know, for anybody that's interested in being their CEO of their life, which anybody can be their own CEO of their life, their own chief empowerment officer, 
it's important to set those boundaries and really take in only what will benefit you or support you or propel you or level you up and block out the people that are well-intentioned, well-meaning, but might project their own fears onto your own self. And that's their own thing. You know, that's their own journey. A thousand percent. Yes to not allowing others to project their fears onto you. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the things that I do want you to share, because I know that for me, starting a business, it wasn't easy. Like I was forced into it because I was let go. But what would be the first thing you would tell someone who's contemplating either starting a side hustle Mm -hmm. or going full time and being the CEO of their own life? Like what is the first thing you would advise them to do? Yeah, I, there's so many, there's so many good things. The first one that comes to mind is there is a level of getting that why clear and that why being bigger than you. And I think that why being bigger than you is important because sometimes you're just going to have a rut and maybe it doesn't have to be that dramatic. But you know, when you're like, why am I doing this? That why is what pulls you through. So getting clear on your why on that bigger than you. And, you know, like, I love what you're sharing about empowering women, helping them become their chief empowerment officer and leveraging our stories, because that is transformative. My why isn't it. There was two part. There was the why of Diana needs her freedom. She needs her boundaries. She needs to live her authentic life. And imagine if women all women were confident and self-secure and knew without a shadow of doubt that they were worthy. We wouldn't be dealing with bullshit crap, (laughs) you know, projected by society and males. And I'm not against males, you know, like I love my husband. Um, But he's an, he also is my big fan. Right. So, but sometimes I remember being young and being in my early 20s and needing the relationships to validate my self-worth. And that also is my mother who would tell me to be in shitty relationships. So, but when it comes to that, your why is stronger and it's empowering when it could even be about your kids or your family that motivates you and pulls you through that really sometimes when you're just like, I don't want to be doing my accounting, you know, like, I don't want to be doing the invoices, but I, you know, bills have to be paid and invoices have to be collected. But that why I think is the most important start place to start. And it does, and, and it just has to be that why that pulls you through those moments where you're just like in a rut or doing the day-to-day grind, you know? So that why starting with the why. Absolutely. And it also has to have that emotional yes. tie-in to it, right? Like it Absolutely. can't just be, oh, I want to go into business because I just want the freedom to like travel, mm-hmm. you know, whenever I want, which was one of my reasons why I didn't want to continue working in corporate. Um, but there has to be an emotional tie-in to your why, because yeah. that is what's going to help you get out of that rut. Yeah. Because being the CEO of your business is really challenging. There's um, a lot of false expectations that are being shared 
mm-hmm. around the internet, you know, make six figures in six weeks. And, <laughs> yeah. and shit like that, pisses me the fuck off because I'm like, I've been doing this shit for four years and I still haven't <laughs> been able to, you know, match my salary. And I get it. Yes. Some people have and more power to them. But for me, it's having that emotional tie in to making sure that more women feel como tú dijiste, more confident in themselves yeah. and knowing that they're worthy because they exist. Yes. That to me is powerful in itself. Absolutely. That is what keeps me going. Yeah. And I, I want to quickly add, even if, if like, let's say, you know, scarcity and mindset and money, if money is a why and a motivating, I also tie that emotional connection. Like I want to make money so that I can invest and support, provide scholarships, provide, you know, donations to nonprofits, like it's, it is money, but it's not the money. It's that emotional connection of what I can do with the money that has really gotten me excited to break through of like the pricing and all the things that I charge and even just what I invest in because it, I know that it's going to provide the results and empowerment that so many people need. And so for anybody that's like, well, I just want to make more money. Great. Those are great things have that emotional connection to it. And that's what will get you those things you want to. And I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, my whole vision is I want to be a millionaire. And sometimes I am questioned as to why can't you just be happy (laughs) with what you have? And I'm like, because to your point, having more money allows me to make more choices, Mm -hmm. allows me to fund those projects that are important to me allows me to help open the doors for more people in our community to elevate and become their, you know, their most authentic and full selves, um, live their best fucking life um, on their terms. It allows me to contribute to political, you know, organizations Mm -hmm. that I believe in. It allows me to live in a better neighborhood, drive a better car and I am not a mom, but for those who are mothers, it allows you to get your children to a better school system, um, live in a bigger house so you can have more space, like all of these things. Like, yes, money doesn't bring happiness, but it sure helps. It sure does help. And I can tell you one of the bills I pay to this day that I'm so happy I pay is my we have um, somebody that comes once a month, does deep cleaning in our place. And one, I know that, you know, she doesn't do well. Like she's undocumentada, no tiene papeles. So I give her more than the average. She is grateful. But and her coming in gives me time to not spend my full day cleaning. Right. So it's just like it's so symbiotic because it's not just, oh, I I don't have time to clean it. Well, she needs this and I need her to save me time. And what beautiful way that I can afford to pay her even above. Like she told me her price was like, oh, no, no. And I gave her 20 bucks over it, you know, but like that felt so good that I could do that too, that I could give her more than even what she was valuing herself of. And then during the pandemic, I was like, She's like, no, no tengo. And I was like, okay, pues le voy a dar un poquito más. And I was giving her money here and there because she's a single mom with a daughter. And I give her daughter clothes, stuff like that. But that to me feels so good to have that together. And, and 
I trust her with my house keys, you know, like she's so part of my family too. So it's so much more than just, um, I, I pay someone, you know, it's, it's so much more in the energy exchange and the empowerment that we're both getting and the time saving and then what that does for her family too. Absolutely. And, and that also comes from, you know, it's a cultural norm too. Like we're taught, I'm sure you grew up like that where you're, you were taught to cook (laughs) and, you know, maintain a household and do all these things, things that I used to question when I was younger, but now as an adult, I appreciate it. Um, but you said something about saving time. Yes. And when you can outsource the cleaning, for example, not only are you saving time, which is the one commodity that we can never get back, mm-hmm. but you are also helping another familia put food on their table. Yes. Yes. And that is powerful. It feels great. It feels so good to do that, to know that it's, saving me time and she is in a better spot, you know, and her daughter went to college last year and I helped her with that. And it was just like, so coming back to owning our story, if if I didn't share, Oh, I was the first to go to my family. She wouldn't have known to ask me for help. Mm -hmm. And so that's where owning your story, you like, you just don't know where all this stuff ties back in a full circle. And that's where the universe is just so, magnificent, if you will, because it all comes back in a full circle and it starts with owning our story too. Absolutely. Oh my God, this is, this is great. And I know that we wanted to talk about the Latina pay gap. Yes. Um, But I feel like this deserves its own episode Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, we've both gone through similar experiences in our career and, yeah, we'll we'll leave it at that. Okay. So we're going to have another episode so we can talk about it, because that's also one of the big reasons why I don't go back to corporate and try to shatter whatever glass ceilings <laughs> they keep putting on us. It's because of that whole gender pay gap um, and the fact that as a Latina, you know, ethnicity also plays a part. So mm-hmm. we are going to set another date. Let's do it. That's a whole nother topic that for anybody in corporate, I don't want you to be discouraged. There are things that I do feel, well, it is part of like my mission, right? To help people become empowered. Like I will tell you what I learned and what I believe could help. And I know there's still much more that needs to happen. Not just Diana alone, but as a collective, we need yes. to really stand for ourselves. We really yes. do. Yeah. Absolutely. So be, you know, in order to wrap up, I like to ask my guests um, two questions and in full transparency, I often ask my guests to write this out ahead of time. And I want to be able to read what you wrote and we can dissect that um, because it just tugged at my heart. So I asked you, what does being the CEO of your life and business mean to you? And you wrote, and I quote, Being the CEO of my life and business is being completely grounded in who I am by listening to my intuition. Even logically, shit doesn't make sense (laughs) because I know that at a soul level, I am destined for more than what society or social economic status says. And most importantly, it means living aligned to me and what fuels me even when that means setting hashtag boundaries 
with loved ones, unquote. Mm. I wrote that. (laughs) That was the Holy Spirit right there. (laughs) I was like, yes, yes, and yes. (laughs) This is what it means to show up and have the audacity to be the CEO of your life is knowing that on on a soul level, like you're destined for so much Mm -hmm. more. And guess what? You deserve it. Yes, yes. So thank you so much for sharing that. That was so beautifully. And also, you know, what society or social economic status says, like, no, you have the power to create your own destiny. I really believe that. Being the captain of your own ship, being able to write your own story or be able to rewrite it, right? Like so many of us are taught to live this life in a linear version, you Mm. know, you go to school, you get a degree, you work for this company, you retire when you're like 60, 65, and then you start enjoying life. And I'm like, no, fuck all of that. Mm -hmm. I want to start enjoying my life right now. Yes. Yes. Today in this moment. And I do feel that it's important if I do believe, I fundamentally believe that women are innately intuitive and when you feel that really like that little silent that says, pero por qué? Because you're hearing some external narrative. Listen, that little voice that says, pero por qué? Because that's your soul tugging at you saying, no, that stuff they're saying is not for you. And mm-hmm. it's OK. It's OK to say, like, I like you. I love you. I appreciate your advice. No need to project or I appreciate it. Um, I have. It's okay to say, I appreciate that. I know what I need for me and being grounded in that decision because you will look back at the end of your life and say, did I do the things I wanted to do? Mm-hmm. And for I, my deepest desire for most is that people look back and are grateful for the things they knocked on their list because that's, that's what we're here. We're here to live. We are here. We were born to live. We're not born to sacrifice, sacrifice, sacrifice. Then we live when we're 65, you know, and that's one of the narratives. It's like, yeah, I get that. I appreciate why that was shared. Mm -hmm. It's not for me. It's not. And so I'm living. And to add to that and having your own business, it's not for everyone either. And I understand that. Like I had to come to terms with that. So Um, we're grateful that we get to live in a world where, you know, we make choices and we have the power to make choices. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. absolutely. Thank you for that. So the last question I will want to, I do want to close with this is what's one thing you've had the audacity to do or makes you feel audacious? So many things. I would say that single-handedly, Honestly, it was the biggest thing I had the audacity to do. Well, two come to mind. One was I grew up in Houston. I went to college in Houston. I lived at home. When I graduated, I packed my things and I moved to San Francisco. Only the second most expensive city outside of New York. You know, like, I don't think I really am, but my intuition's telling me to go. And everything landed just as it should. It should. And that, that was the first time that I knew about intuition. I didn't listen to it, but I knew that I was protected and guided. And I knew everything, like, God loves me. Like, 
no matter what, you know, my faith for me is my connection to my creator. And so I just knew that it was all meant as it should. So that was one. And the second one has been to leave my corporate job. I'm leaving multiple six figures. That's where I was leaving at that level and leaving that safety net for what I know is meant for more. It has, it was definitely scary. It was definitely like, ah, and also, um, super empowering and empowering because, you know, the universe will tell you different things, but there was one woman that I happened to tell her, I'm going to leave my corporate job. And I was scared. And this was like during the pandemic. And she said, well, somebody has to leave their corporate job so they can teach other people how to leave their corporate jobs and create their own <laughs> business. And I was like, Ooh, I love that. Love it. <laughs> and that just resonated. And ever since I, ever since when I told people I was leaving, I was like, well, I'm going to do this and this. And they're like, out of anybody, you can do it. And so it was just so like interesting to see the reaction and how all the reaction was completely positive when I was leaving. I was like, that's really nice. Thank you, universe, for supporting me. It's, I just know it's going to work out. I really do. And I know that that intuition is what's going to keep me steady and hold and also my connection. And, and that's why they call it faith, right? It's not faith for her. It's not like I know securely what will happen and there and I have faith. It's I have faith even when I don't know what will happen. And so, Amen. Yeah. Amen. And I think that was really powerful. Yes, to your intuition, but yes, to having that faith, that connection with your creator. It's really what keeps people who took the leap of not having that safety net, what keeps them going. So kudos to you. Um, I also want to tell you that I appreciate you for sharing your story so candidly. Um, Thank you for having the courage. Thank you for having the resiliency to keep moving forward despite of your circumstances. Um, so yeah, I just, de todo corazón, I appreciate you. I love you. I'm so glad we met. I'm so glad you came on the show. And I'm like, yes to having another conversation about Latina pay gap. So yes. we're going to schedule that too. Well, thank you. And thank you for your mission and what you're doing and helping all the Latinas, whether they're listening and anybody that's been on your podcast and the guests and the future ones to spread the message. I mean, somebody has to have the vision and you're do, you have the vision, you're executing. And I'm just so grateful to be part of the ride. So thank you. Thank you. And with that, I will tell you guys, thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you took away lots of different nuggets that Diana was dropping And I will catch you on our next episode. Hey, thanks for listening to the show. If you enjoy this episode, please make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. And don't forget to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, letting us know if this is helping you in your life. Also, please share the love with other audacious women so they too can join our community. And speaking of community please make sure to visit our website at MarthaLRamos.com and subscribe to our newsletters for more tools, resources, and motivation. And you can start 
by downloading your free guide, How to Get Clear as Fuck Even During Uncertain Times. And with that, until next time, friend. If you enjoyed today's show, then I want to personally invite you to check out the Audacious CEO Club, a membership community by women of color for women of color. It's the essential resource for new and aspiring women entrepreneurs who are looking to start or grow a business they love. So whether you're a seasoned entrepreneur looking to grow or thinking about taking the leap from your nine to five, then we got a seat for you. Yes, friend, no more waiting for a seat at the table. We're going to help you build your own by providing you the training, mentorship, tools, and a supportive community of other badass women cheering you on. So make sure to visit our website at www.marthaelramos.com forward slash CEO club for more info. Can't wait to see you there, friend.